Listeners, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective podcast, the special project Woody Allen Adjacent, where we talk about movies that we love and or hate and or find interesting related to Woody Allen, have great discussions. I've loved what we've done so far, and apparently you guys have too. I'm joined here by my co-host James Daniel Walsh, as always, sir. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing, and I'm uh, I'm doing well, and I'm excited for the discussion about this movie. So am I, for different reasons. Might not be the same reasons as you, but I am very excited about this one. And for the first time, we're going to talk about a movie prior both of us hadn't seen before. Am I correct in saying you hadn't seen this movie before recently? It was in my cue list, but I hadn't gotten around to watching it. Same here. So becoming fresh, opinionated, no back thoughts let's just do it if you're following this project and you watched our last discussion watch and or listen to because we're on youtube and the podcast feed we spoke about 1999's entropy that movie done by a director uh blank on his name right now Stephen dorf judith godenchi u2 kelly mcdonald phil jonanu there is phil jonanu regarding entropy it was James's favorite movie of all time. He loved it. He wanted to talk about it. He, he twisted my arm to talk about Infamy. Is, isn't that what happened, James? I'm dressing up as Stephen Dorff for Halloween. <laughs> Which Stephen Dorff? Blade Stephen Dorff? Or... No, no, Entropy Stephen Dorff. Entropy Stephen Dorff. So you're, you're basically just walking around looking like yourself then? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> now, it was my favorite movie, and I feel slightly vindicated because I got a lovely message about someone who loved that discussion we had and you know i was really glad to hear another fan talk about the movie love it or hate it if you're on youtube i'll put the link to the discussion in the top right hand corner subscribe to us thank you guys so much for the support and if you want to do us a favor why don't you consider reviewing this podcast on itunes it'll help the algorithm it'll help us grow but we've got quite a few listeners already i appreciate you guys Let's get on with the show, with the next film up for discussion. James, would you mind telling us what we're going to be discussing today, what the movie's about, and then we'll have a good old discussion about it. We're going to be talking about the 2019 Netflix original Marriage Story, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver as a married couple going through a bitter divorce and custody battle. Yes, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much the synopsis. It was written and directed by Noah Bubach. Oh God. The pronunciation of names is killing me. And I'm a guy of ethnicity. It's unforgivable. Noah Bubach. I've got some clips where we're going to actually hear from the director. And uh, you know what, James? Before we even get started, I want to mention something. One of the things that um, interested me about doing this Woody Alike, Woody Adjacent project, if you look back on every movie we've discussed, including this one, it has been written and directed by the same person. This is the person who has had their vision for it. They've written it. They've had creative control, whether it was Louis C.K., Phil Jonanu, whether it was... Edward Norton. Edward Norton. It's just great to see films... I mean, more more often than not, you're going to see films by committee, writers, different directors, but these movies have been focusing on, which isn't always going to be the case. It's the same director, the same writer, the visionary behind the movie. Now, this movie in particular, it's about a married couple going through the divorce. And I found it to be 
a very enjoyable movie and story, but a tough watch. And something I could relate to as a child in a quote-unquote broken home, going through divorce. And even as a sibling, like I've seen my brothers and sisters go through divorce. This movie didn't hit me as hard as the reviews I read. Most reviews I read would say this movie just depressed the hell out of me. It was good, but I felt horrible. I didn't feel horrible because a parts of this movie are big parts of my own life, which I'll get into. Um, I think this is a really good movie. I really think it's a really good movie. It's just, it's not a movie I love because it's kind of, it's too real. I've lived this movie. So I feel like I'm just kind of replaying elements of my life, which I'll explain, but it's a great movie. I'll break, I'll break down why, why I like it so much and what the actors have done, director, all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm just not taken as a back, especially in a, in a negative way. I really like this movie, but I've, I've seen people been taken aback by this movie and found it very depressing, which really wasn't my experience. Uh, it was mine because I've, I've gone through a divorce. <laughs> so, uh, and they, they capture it really well. This is funny because the reason it was in my queue list was I like to, when I start a, a, a new writing project, I like to kind of take a little time beforehand to kind of soak in uh, different influences. I like to read things that I think are like what I want to, you know, work on, watch movies, listen to music that are going to kind of inspire me. Marriage Story was on the list, and the book that I wanted to write was a horror novel. <laughs> that tells you exactly what I think uh, of this kind of story. This, and this is, it might sound like a, a at first sort of a, 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 an insulting comparison. Mm-hmm. I would compare this to something like Schindler's List or 12 Years a Slave in that you watch it, it's a very good movie, and then you'd never want to watch it again. Yeah, you're talking about visceral emotion when you say that, right? You're talking about like something really gut punching you yeah and it's it's an experience that is valuable it's not enjoyable it's not you're not sitting there with popcorn you know it's not an avengers movie or something like that but as somebody who who has been through a divorce been through a custody battle and done it in los angeles county 99 percent of this movie rang true to me as to what that experience was it's a very nuanced movie. And on the last discussion, when we was talking about Infopy, I mentioned that I want you to talk about um, another movie that people say this movie was kind of aping off. You know, there was another movie that was made with featuring Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep that was very mm. popular about a divorce as well. Kramer versus Kramer. And, you know, that movie sparked a discussion. I, think, I believe it was made in 1979 and it was about this divorce, from, again, about this married couple. And that movie, I rewatched it recently, again, because it's so well-loved. And I only, I think, I watched it when I was a kid, but I didn't really appreciate it until now. And watching that and then watching this, I don't think Kramer versus Kramer ages that well, especially because I think one of the main points it comes away with is that, you know, men can be parents too, the... The justice system, when it when it deals with custody of a child, it leans towards a woman, and you know Dustin Hoffman raises his son, and it's 
you know, I think a lot of these films, these two films touch on both things, but I feel like this film is a lot more updated, a lot more honest. And I felt like Kramer versus Kramer has a bit of a more of an agenda than this one. I think this movie is a lot more honest and fair and true. And I think the director just really wanted to cut to the meat of the movie, the, the actual focus of these characters and their relationship. And to that end, I want to say that from a filmmaker's perspective, I think, in my opinion, and you might not agree with this, James, I think this movie is more raw and more focused on the characters than the actual filmmaking, than the actual visual filmmaking, because the camera work is more like a fly on the wall for me. They do certain things with the camera and the, the, the scenes that, that are good for what they're trying to do, but I feel like you just want to, it's just focusing on them. There's one or two scenes I will highlight, but in particular, the film has a look of an older movie to me. It isn't, you know, although it's HD, it has a, a kind of a grain to it. It's just there. You're just watching them. And I really like that. I think it's necessary. It's intentional to me. And it's very dry in what it's doing. And I, I like that. I think it suits it. I just think, other movies even if we bring woody allen into it let's talk about husbands and wives for example mm. again that was a documentary kind of style he was kind of interviewing you as well there was a lot of quick cuts there was a bit more experimental this movie is just let's just focus on the characters let's just let you let's let the camera sit and focus on the characters and in 2020 2019 you might think oh, there's a bit of a missed opportunity no i think it helps you focus on the narrative and it helps actors shine so I don't have a problem with that. I appreciate that. And I just think it's just no BS. Yeah, I mean, the, you, you brought up Husbands and Wives, and that's definitely the, the closest Woody Allen movie to this. This is an actor's movie. This isn't like a, a director doing something flashy. Like, I would say Entropy was more director-driven. Yeah. And this is actor-driven. This is, I mean, I'm imagining during, especially during the the sort of, the big scene, the confrontation between the two of them towards the end. I'm imagining that the the director and the cameraman are they're just letting these two go and trying to keep up. Yeah. And uh, what you get from that is something that you know. I wonder how much they were allowed to improvise because it feels like they're making this up as they're going along. It's it's very. Uh, the only word I can think of is it's a cliche, but it's very raw. It's very yeah. honest. It's these two actors, uh, both of whom were nominated for Oscars, both of whom deserved that nomination. Yes. Really doing what is probably the best performances either one has ever given. Let's talk about the actors. Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson. First, there's other side characters on the mention, but I just want to mention the two stars. Now, Adam Driver, I've spoken, I've praised him ever since I saw him on Girls. I like Girls, the series Girls, HBO's Girls. And he always has a weirdness to him. A very quirky guy. He, even in real life, he has a lot of quirks to him. He's got a funny YouTube channel where I think it's one of his channels is called Shit Adam Driver Says. But there's a, a, a honesty to this guy, a real honesty to his quirkiness. It comes through. And, you know, if you've seen Girls much more of a quirky acting performance there but that got him you know he they, they got him working with scorsese got him working with in star wars and he always even in star wars such a pop culture phenomenon he still plays quite a gritty character quite an intense troubled person and i think 
it just comes off really natural. In this movie, uh, I'll need to get into a bit of spoilers. I actually was proud of what was written for him because sometimes I think Adam Driver can come off a little bit more sympathetic, especially as a weird kind of guy, kind of... I guess that doesn't apply to Star Wars, especially because he was kind of the villain in that movie. But he has a, a kind of a quirky, kind of innocent kind of charm to him. But as the movie, as this movie goes on, I think you don't, it's it's a little bit darker and a little bit more questionable. So as him as an actor playing this role and what was written for him, I really appreciate that. Scarlett Johansson, I mean, Jesus, I don't, if we've been talking about her through Woody Allen, Woody Allen alumni, you know, phenomenal. You just see her taken, drawn back even more. No makeup, more raw than ever. I mean, Woody's done great work with her anyway, but this just adds to her repertoire. I loved her character. I love what she, she had. A, I think she probably had the meatiest role in this movie, in my personal opinion. And there's not much more I can praise. I've, I've seen her grow and grow and this movie just adds on what i've seen with her her emotion her character what she goes through her scenes the way she executes the lines everything about it is wonderful the way she portrays a character is not someone that i that i um hate or love someone that i just understand and the performance just cuts through and gets to me you know no wonder woody saw her early back on and just picked her up and took her to that height and yeah, man, I'll talk a bit more about Woody and her regarding this movie later. But yeah, I mean, this is perfect. This was just great. And I just think they they were a great team together. And I, and I love watching them. Perfect casting. She probably surprised a lot of people because she also was in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. That same oh, yeah. year got nominated for both actors and supporting actors. And I think people, you know, when you're in those big franchise movies, people forget you can act. Yeah. And she's impressed me going all the way back to Ghost World and Lost in Translation. And uh, and definitely, you know, Match Point and, and Christina Vicky Barcelona. Mm -hmm. This is, this is, it's funny because this is a kind of movie that where nobody in the movie, I, you know, you were saying Kramer versus Kramer had sort of an agenda. This doesn't. Yeah, there's there's not a villain. There's not a bad. In fact, well, there. I think that there may be. There's people that you you lean more towards their side, depending on your own experiences. I was much more sympathetic to Adam Driver than I was to Scarlett Johansson, mm. um, which is probably completely colored by my own experiences. I would imagine that there's other people whose perspective uh, differs from mine, and they would be more. Uh, sympathetic towards her and see him more as a as a jerk but um yeah both of them you know coming off of these big disney franchises mm -hmm. and uh and showing that they can act and showing that because they do the big giant blockbuster movies and they get these huge paychecks to do it they then turn around and they i'm sure did not make neither one of them made 20 million dollars to no. be in this movie they they had to have taken huge pay cuts to do this. But when you're in Star Wars or when you're you're in a Marvel movie, you can take the time to do that. And yeah. you know, you don't have to worry about paying for your mansion or whatever. 
and and not all of those actors there's there's plenty of those actors in those big movies who then just do those big movies and yeah. that's it and they they you forget that that they can act and uh these two really really asserted themselves as top of the game actors you just brought up a point i want to bring up you know and then we'll bring this it's very related to what you just said when robert downey jr was doing the iron man movies he stopped into the movie called the judge mm -hmm. just to show he can act and he can just do a drama and that reminded me why i love robert downey jr and that just proves your point you know you do the big movies the big budget ones so hopefully you can still come down and just work on your craft and do movies that are focused on story and you know the the craft of acting and when i see actors do that i have a lot of respect for them adam driver you know constant consistently through working even through the disney movies he was making so many movies he did a movie last year with bill murray uh i think it was a, a mm -hmm. post apocalypse zombie movie i haven't even seen and i heard it was phenomenal it was okay <laughs> <laughs> i saw it it was i was a bit disappointed by it but but is not that a movie by, that's gonna him. is that a movie that's gonna pay him a lot of money again? Or is it a movie you can Probably see? Probably not. Just no, that was like yeah. a that was a lower, lower budgeted movie. Exactly. That that's what I'm just saying. I love to see and to be honest, even Scarlett Johansson, this movie is probably the best example of this. She has been tied up with Marvel. They've kept her very, very busy <laughs> mm -hmm. this for a good uh, decade or so. But it's lovely to see that they came and did this movie. You know because they wanted to the director which i'm gonna i'm gonna play a clip from the director in a moment noah Boombach. i'm just gonna say he said that he he was writing the movie for these two in in tow he wanted to do a movie well actually you know why don't i play the clip i got the clip here and then i'll i'll say some more let, let the director speak for himself it's a movie about marriage as seen through divorce it's also a movie about family as seen through divorce I felt like this was also a way to kind of more deliberately explore what happens in real life when couples break up. You don't think Charlie and Nicole will ever get back together? No, I think this time it's really over. Friends take sides or things. And in a way, the audience plays the part of the friends in this movie. So like in the beginning of the movie, you're more with her. And I think naturally, because we're with her, your sympathy goes towards her. So you kind of hear more her angle and her side. And then we kind of move over to him. And then maybe you would actually start to sympathize with him too. I felt it was a kind of cinematic way or narrative way to illustrate when people break up, which is nobody's fault. It's just something that didn't work out. I had the, um, I guess I didn't save the clip, but he was talking about the conception of the movie when he was writing it. He, he as he was writing it, scene by scene he was lending the script to scarlett johansson and adam driver letting them read do you guys like it and it was developing with them so this wasn't something he had on the side and called them afterwards he was developing it with them they spent time together to develop the movie together so they had the chemistry and they just had that unit that you see on screen and you believe and that's good to hear because it comes across through the movie as well and again when I finished the movie, as I was watching the movie, I found myself just thinking about my own past, thinking about my mum and dad, you know, arguing, getting married very late and then never never really divorcing, but always threatening it, threatening it. 
And then my brothers and sisters having multiple divorces. I would see them argue. I would look after my nephews. I would go to court. I would, you know, it was, and it just made me cynical. It made me cynical. So watching this movie, it didn't depress me because I look at marriage like, I look at marriage in a very cynical way. My ex-girlfriend will tell you that as well. (laughs) (laughs) As will will a couple of mine, yeah. So I, you know, I just thought, this is real. I've seen this. I feel this. It was interesting seeing, well, I haven't been through it myself. So the parts that were interesting to me was seeing it through the perspective of hiring lawyers and what it's like to actually bring out dirt against your ex and using it to get leverage, to fight for children. Those scenes are not pleasant to watch. And it's great to see the emotion of the characters doing what they have to do and fighting with it and trying to be be friends and trying to be considerate but then fighting for their own corner and that's what i love about this movie the nuance in that because i think it's real i think back in the day you know when you watch kramer versus kramer for example they have a similar court scene between Meryl streep and dustin hoffman the, the lawyers are arguing and looking at each other the lawyers are saying the horrible things that they told the lawyers and they're looking at each other they have the same kind of scene in in this movie but again that movie has a bit more of an agenda where it's, you know, the woman always gets the child and now the man's going to get the child at the end and you're going to see why. But this movie is not about that. It's about learning about their relationship. I think, like the director just said, you you spend, you know, it, it's showcased on one character for a lot of the film, then it shifts to the other one. And then by the end, you kind of hit the middle ground. And I didn't actually, it's, it's kind of funny because you said you signed them all with Adam Driver. By the end because i'm a cynical bastard i just felt to myself i kind of see where you're both coming from and the thing i really like about the writing and i'm going to get into a little bit of a spoiler because adam driver's character what was written for him doesn't paint him as the best person when you just look at the facts objectively he seems a bit more selfish and a bit more focused and as the movie goes on and he starts to you know realize what he's losing and as the you know the core battle goes on and he starts to realize what he has to do. I feel like, you know, people are just human. Maybe he couldn't see what he was doing, or maybe he was putting his needs first. I don't necessarily find him to be a bad person because of it. She's throwing things at him about how he didn't see this and how she sacrificed parts of her life for him and how he wouldn't compromise on certain things that move into certain areas. And I, I'm like, yeah, you're right. So I came away from the movie thinking it just fell apart. And I think I can see where they're both coming from. I don't really take a side. And because I've lived that life where, you know, my brother and even one of my best friends is going through a divorce right now. I love my friend. I grew up with my friend for 20 years. But his wife, I consider her a friend. She's got the kids. So I'm meant to see him as the villain. But in reality, I can see why they broke up. So, it, you know, life is great. So I can't come away from this movie liking or hating one another because life is just not that simple and i think that's a testament to the writing where i just came away from the movie saying yeah that's life man that i i i what what can you say it was just a good honest performance yeah i think i mean the way that i looked at it and the i mean the movie starts with them already broken up so you don't ever see them as a couple so really what you're here what you what you know about them as a couple 
is what the other person is saying. So we're seeing that he's selfish because she's telling us that he's selfish. Mm. And he's, I, at least from what I could gather from what he was saying and from Scarlett Johansson's performance, she never really asserted herself True. until she said, I want a divorce. Yes. And, you know, if she had, I kept thinking, are they going to tell me that they went to counseling together? Are they, you know, that she said, we're going to do this or else. Did she ever try to lay down the law? Did she ever say, if we don't move to LA, that I'm going to leave you? Instead, it just sounds like she was really bad at telling him what she wanted. And he knew what he wanted. And she didn't. You know, she kept she keeps saying, I, I did what he wanted to do. And, it you know, what I got from it was not because he was saying this is the way it's going to be, but because she didn't know hmm. what she wanted it to be. So he was making the decisions because she was letting him. It sounds like there was parts parts of their life where she asked him to compromise, and he kind of shrugged her off. Though, like in particular, yeah, there, yeah go there's on. a there's a great line where you know she says, uh, you know, well, we we discussed that you know we were going to move to L.A. Yeah, and he says we discussed redecorating the living room. We never did it. You know, it, there's the, it's something. It sounds like she was never really asserting herself and saying this is something i want it sounds like it was just more of her saying well this might be nice if we did this what do you think and he didn't want to do it and she didn't push it so it went nowhere mm. and um i've been in that relationship where afterwards they're like you never listened to me i wanted to do this and i wanted to do this and i wanted to do this and i uh, i would go when the hell did you ever say that you wanted to do these things Hmm. You know, it because there was no assertion of it. There was no. It, it was sort of just these these ideas that oh maybe it'd be nice to do this. Does she deserve blame for that though? Because uh, you know some 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 could argue that he's not being sensitive to her, her needs. Does that mean they're a bad match then? Because some maybe a more in tune sensitive person would read into that and ask her more. But then you might say, I can just anticipate you're going to say that he's not responsible for that. He shouldn't have to, you know, bring out her desires or, you know, comfort her more or bring it out of her. She should be able to, as you said, strongly put those feelings forward instead of just timidly being like, oh, we should. And yeah. he's like, yes. no. So Yes and no. It sounds like he really knew what he wanted to do. And he was much less concerned with what mm. she wanted to do. So as long as she wasn't asserting it, he wasn't going to bother to ask. Yeah. And uh, so what you have is just this, you know, what from the outside, even to the two of them probably didn't look dysfunctional. Hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're successful, you know, they're uh, uh, contributing to each other's success too. Like she's sort of, kind of a, a, a star when they meet, not in, in these sort of flighty teen movies. Yeah. And then he turns her into a respected actress and in turn, her popularity grows his theater company. So from the outside, it looks like they're a great couple who are, you know, working together as partners and internally they're not working together at all. I mean, yeah, it's, it's I agree. I, I didn't come away, like I said, I, I, I came away thinking that 
he's painted a bit more negatively or uh, in a more in a way i just felt like he comes off a bit more as the bad guy and i actually appreciated that because the film and even the director says that when the film starts you see it from her perspective and it, it kind of follows her but by the second half where it focuses a bit more on him he just seems a bit more oblivious so then you come away from the movie feeling like were they just a bad match but then like you said did she really fight for the relationship did she give him a real chance did she show him really show him ever and then you just realize there's some relationships where they end because they because of that because just like this movie it could just end that way so i again i didn't find the movie depressing i was just like i've seen this and i get it and i, I, think, I think yeah what i found depressing was the actual court stuff yeah because and and this is where i can speak again from uh experience and I don't know what it's like now because my divorce was uh, almost 20 years ago. Mm. And I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world. But the Los Angeles family court system is a disaster. One criticism I would have for the movie is that they're both rich. <laughs> you know, I mean, so the story of these two rich people who can just write a $25,000 check, uh, who can fly back and forth you know, constantly to, from L.A. to New York is not, I don't think, as interesting as it would have been if they were more middle class. True. That's interesting. Um, yeah. You know, there's a little bit of like me watching it going, oh, I feel so sorry for you two rich people. But, I, you know, I, I once uh, I picked up this this uh, book in the library mm -hmm. that Alec Baldwin had written. And I, I wasn't going to check it out i was just like oh alec Baldwin wrote a book i wonder what this is about and i started flipping through it and i ended up checking it out of the library and reading it in a weekend because it was about him going through his divorce and his child custody case and he went through it in los angeles county where i went through mine and you realize it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor this sort of meat grinder court system is the same for everybody and it's dirty and it's you know i i don't know how we're supposed to see laura dern's character you know she won an academy award for the part i saw her as a horrible awful person oh man you got to talk about that in a minute but yeah keep going <laughs> and yeah i i could bring more into, but you know the the thing that my lawyer would tell me and that's a great line, too, because, you know, Adam Driver goes out and he gets Ray Liotta, who is this, you know, really aggressive kind of shark of a lawyer. And Scarlett Johansson says to him, you know, how could you let him say those things about me? And Adam Driver goes, I needed my own asshole. Well, that was after he dumped Alan Alda, his yeah. uh, first lawyer. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Alan Alda, who is, you know, uh, uh, of the three lawyers. He's, yeah. he's the only one who's decent. He's the only one who actually cares. He's the only one with a moral conscience. And yeah, that's not the lawyer you want. Mm. Because Laura Dern was going to eat him alive. And, you know, in, in fact, I thought it would have been so much more interesting maybe if Adam Driver had gotten Laura Dern. Mm. And Scarlett Johansson got Ray Liotta because you get this man versus woman thing. Happening. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, it's kind of predictable, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind and of. And the thing is, yeah. while Laura Dern is 
you know, oh, tell me your troubles. I'm here for you, sister, and all this kind of stuff. If Adam Driver had gotten to her first, she'd be representing Adam Driver. She's doing it for a paycheck. It has nothing to do with, you know, if, if Scarlett Johansson suddenly ran out of money, Laura Dern doesn't work for her anymore. So why is Laura Dern worse than Ray Liotta? Aren't they kind of both the same? Just doing. Their I, job? I wouldn't say that they're. I wouldn't say that they're worse, but they both represent exactly the kind of tactics that those that you know it, the the way that Ray Liotta is sort of pushing, 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 and being very aggressive, and Laura Dern's response to it is laughing and kind of you know rolling her eyes. And, yeah, that court seems amazing. I love it. <laughs> um, they're they're cut they're they're using different tactics mm-hmm. but the Laura Dern tactics were used on me and the way that my <laughs> lawyer the way that he I'm sorry I shouldn't that, I shouldn't laugh I'm sorry I shouldn't laugh about no because this is the this is how ridiculous it is the way my l- lawyer explained it to me was he told me what it was going to be he told me how I was going to be treated he told me what her lawyer was going to be saying to me and mm-hmm. he said she's baiting you. She wants you to react. Mm. She wants you to get mad. She wants you to yell. And the second that you raise your voice, she goes into the judge, files a restraining order against you, calls you aggressive, says you threatened her, even if you didn't. And that's the end of the case. You lose. It does cast a a big negative shadow on you to show in. It could definitely use it against you, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the Ray Liotta character is... You know, she's a, you know, she had one glass of wine one night too many. And so now she's an alcoholic and, you know, they're going to, they're, you know, the family court system is lawyer driven. Hmm. You hire a lawyer. If you don't hire a lawyer and the other person does, you lose. Yeah. And the longer that the lawyers can drag it out, the more money they make. So they want you to fight. They want you to, you know, the whole movie, if, if, again, that's maybe a reason why I kind of uh, early on turned on Scarlett Johansson a little bit, because they had agreed not to have lawyers. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he gets served, which has happened to me. <laughs> and that scene was funny. Uh, the, the friend having to hand him the envelope and tell him you've been served and her you know, you feel so bad for her and for like Scarlett Johansson's mother, who's like, you know, I have a relationship with this guy too. You know, I, I like him and he's my grandson's father. And what do you want me? You want me to hate him now? Hmm. And the whole thing is just, it's a, it's a dirty thing, especially when there's a kid involved. You know, it, that, that was the part that really got to me. The two of them breaking up was sad enough, but then you get these two, opposing forces that just want to make it as ugly as possible and again i don't know if you're supposed to think lord we could get into this later but laura dern has a speech in this moment in this movie where i was rolling my eyes and thinking what the hell are you talking about because she's going into our judeo-christian society and how mary is the ideal for women and God is the father, but he was an absent. And I'm like, this sounds like the kind of rant that somebody has when they're drunk and they think it's profound. And I thought that was kind of clever. 
<laughs> yeah, the whole I was just listening to it going, and, and and again, it made me turn on Scarlett Johansson a little bit more because she <laughs> looks like she's like so enthralled by this. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, what does this have to do with your case? Just why are you bringing God in? <laughs> I, I thought it's just I thought it was slick talk to wind uh, you know or, or wind her perspective client I thought yeah she's doing her job she's whining and dining them and you know gi giving those lyrics and that's seducing her into yeah I need this lawyer she knows what she's talking about so I thought yeah. that yeah that, that was a good representation but her performance then do you think it deserved the nomination that she got it's it's hard for me to judge because every now and then there's a performance that somebody gives where they play such an awful person that I stopped liking the actor. <laughs> oh no, <And> don't say that. <laughs> that, I mean, eventually, like if you, like the the one that I always think of is Bradley Cooper in Wedding Crashers. Like for years after that, I couldn't watch a movie with Bradley Cooper because I hated him so much in that oh, movie. Oh man, Bradley Cooper? Oh. I've, I've gotten over it. I've, yeah. you know, I've, I've moved on past that. But for a little while, especially like, I, I don't know if this is a late in life acting path that Laura Dern is taking, but there's been a couple of movies now that I've seen her in in the last few years where she plays the kind of man-hating yeah. person who is supposed to represent female empowerment, but really to me is just sort of how ugly and nasty can I be towards men? Mm. And And the thing is with this movie, Again, I felt like the movie maybe could have gone into this because it's fake. If Adam Driver had gotten to her first, Laura Dern would be representing Adam Driver. Yeah. And so when they try and, you know, Scarlett Johansson goes to her the first time and she, start, she starts to break down and Laura Dern kicks her shoes off and sits on the couch with her and, put, you know, holds her hand and everything. Yeah, soul sister. The soul sister moment. And I'm <laughs> thinking she wants your business this mm -hmm. has nothing to do with her actually caring about you or your kid. Yeah. At least with the Ray, Ray Liotta character, you get that. Like, that's made clear. Ray Liotta is just like, this is my job. If you can't afford me, somebody else can. Like I said, of the three, Alan Alda was the only one who was a, a decent person. And he had to be gotten rid of because... <laughs> There's no room for he decency. Has to be gotten rid of. I love the way. So you're saying, to summarize, Lauren Dern did her job too well. That's the takeaway I'm getting from what you're I, saying. I don't think it's that she did her job too well. Her performance was fine. I could have used a little bit more nuance in the script, which I think you kind of do get in the last, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get into some sort of spoilers later. But yeah. in the last scene with Laura Dern and Scarlett Johansson, you get the sense that Scarlett Johansson by the very end of it is looking at her a little differently because it is about it's a win or lose game i know what you're talking about it's the last comment she makes about without, so you, there's a, a moment where scarlett Hansen surprised she did something extra she didn't have to which by the way a lawyer wouldn't do yeah which i i understand that was just totally unnecessary and you know I was like, that does seem a bit over the top and unprofessional and maybe even unethical, really, because that's ruining someone's life just that bit more just because, which is the throwaway line she basically says. But um, let's move forward, just breaking the movie down a bit more. What did you think of the cinematography? Like you said, it was very... Uh, it doesn't draw attention to itself. 
Yeah. You know, it's a it's a really big contrast between this and entropy. Yeah. Where you know the the cinematography is sort of trying to it's it's part of the movie. You know what I mean? It's it's a performance unto itself. Yes. And in this it has to be invisible. You have to not you have to feel like you're just you know I I my parents didn't get divorced, but they should have. And I remember one time watching them fight. And I was sort of stuck in a corner. And I couldn't get out of the room without walking between them. Yeah. So I just sat there as they yeah. argued for like two hours. Yeah. And that's the sort of feeling this movie gets. Like yeah. you're stuck in a corner and they forgot you're there. Exactly. And which, which is the intent. Which yes. Is the intent. And they did it very well. I don't know. I'm sure this probably was nominated for cinematography, but if it was, if no, it wasn't, I, I, it I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe it was. Let me play another clip because I just want to interject these while we get talked through so we can break things up a little bit. Um, this is Adam Driver talking about um, the movie as well. Just a little bit of how he feels about the movie. And Noah Bombeck, the writer, director, wanted to tell the story of their relationship almost from its beginning through the lens of a divorce. So telling a love story through the, you know, uh, the scope of its ending. That's kind of what I think you set up to do and what it's kind of about. And then it gets into, you know, the technical part of the performance in a way of, of divorce, how that can be, you know, regular human interactions that are somehow you know, suddenly put in lenses or boxes and used against you in court you know how, how it can be very impersonal what the two people who start out with the best of intentions of trying to separate as friends suddenly gets you know overrun by other people's opinions and other people's agendas and and you, you kind of just uh, desperately want them to find that kernel of of the thing that interested the, the uh, what they loved about each other to begin with and I, I think he does a very really hard hat trick of you know, telling a story through a very specific lens, but I think it's very relatable to anyone, not necessarily if you've even been in, through a divorce, but if you've been in love even, or, or have experienced love transitioning into something else that you weren't prepared for. You know, I thought it was really, I was thinking of a movie about a relationship that really depressed me. And people say this is one of the most ultimately depressing movies about, the end of a relationship or the breakdown of a relationship. Have you ever seen a movie called Blue Valentine? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. With Ryan Gosling and I can't remember the other lady's name. She was in uh, My Night with Marilyn. Why well, can't I, I love this actress as well. She oh, was... uh, Michelle Williams. Yes, and Michelle Williams. Wow. If you want a movie that is depressing about a breakup and not necessarily even a divorce, but the 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 the, 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 the deterioration of a relationship. That is the magnum opus. Honestly, such a great movie. I was like, now that's a movie that really shows it to you. But one thing I appreciate in this movie, it's not trying to drown you in a depression of the breakup. It's just trying to show you the perspectives about their lives, and I think it does it really well. I think it, that makes it interesting. Talking about some of the side characters and. You know, this movie, in a way, is a Woody Allen alumni movie. You got Wallace Shaw, mm -hmm. <laughs> who is one of the main characters of Woody's upcoming movie, uh, Rick King's Festival. 
And uh, again, Alemada, who's in one of, I think, isn't he actually in Crimes and Misdemeanors mm-hmm. and Husbands and Wives? Is he in Husbands and Wives as well? Um, no, he's in no. Manhattan Murder Mystery. And uh, everyone says I love you. And everyone says I love you. Yeah, these are Woody Allen, my alumni. Well, it's sure it's just a funny character. I was actually watching him in a, in another show um, on Amazon, uh, Mozart in the Jungle. It's just great to see him. He's always playing the same kind of character. Someone in the arts, someone eccentric, cute. Again, he seems to be playing that in Woody Allen's next movie as well. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, even though we haven't seen it. And the, the, the surrounding cast, pretty good. Um, the acting group that is held by, uh, led by Adam Driver, you don't see a lot of them, but it's. A, I actually thought it was an interesting backdrop to have them as, again, I, I agree with you that having them as kind of a privileged couple going through the divorce is kind of mm, meh. But it does give it give it its own flavor. The fact that they are actually actors in the movie makes it different and gives it its own flavor as well. The only character that the other character we got to talk about is the kid. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now, child actors. I mean, sometimes they can get away with not doing much. For what this kid did in the movie, I think it was okay. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been better, and it's really weird to kind of judge child actors because in my opinion they either blow it out of the park or they're just like background characters that just do their one or two things i thought this kid was in the middle i thought he was good enough there was times that especially adam driver had a a bit more interactions with him because he ended up near the end of the movie spending more time or fighting for time with him and it was interesting to see their interactions and that's probably where you got to see the kid shine the most. I don't have the actor's kid's name acting right now because, I mean, he didn't have that big of a role. But I thought, as a child, that they were... The child that was in the middle of this custody battle slash divorce, I thought he did okay. I thought he was decently cast. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a spectacular performance, but... Um, so much so that, like, you could... That, you know, and I, th- I think this was intentional. You, there's scenes with him and Adam Driver where you can kind of tell Adam Driver would rather be somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, and it's, this is what I came on. I like the, the first thought I had at the end of the movie was, oh my God, this kid is going to grow up to be a terrible human being. Yeah. Because these two throughout the movie, and I, I don't fault the movie for this because this is how it actually goes. When you're breaking up and when you're divorced and you, there's two separate households, you're now fighting for that kid to want to be with you. Which means, you know, Scarlett Johansson is constantly telling him, you're going to get a present. You know, I've got a gift for you. I've got something to give you. And you get that feeling of her. She's stopped parenting. She's now trying to make him want to be with her over Adam Driver, and he's yeah. doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And so things like discipline go out the window. You could see, like, Adam Driver is trying to maintain that a little bit, and the kid is not listening to him anymore because he'll say, I don't have to do that with mom. And you add on to it that they're rich, that kid is going to grow up to be a sociopath. Hmm. Like, I, I, I pity that whatever person you could make like in 20 years 
you could make Marriage Story 2 and have it be about this kid because he is definitely going to grow up to get married and divorced a few times. And it will usually be his fault that the breakup is happening because he will never know boundaries. He will always be coddled. And I don't fault the kid's performance. I started to find him annoying. Hmm. Not because of the kid, but because of the, well, I, rather, I, I don't want to do this. I want to be over here. I, hmm. you know, I'm going to wear this costume instead of the one that I agreed to wear that somebody made for me. And, you know, he started just grating on my nerves because they couldn't discipline him. There's even that, there's a great moment where Adam Driver kind of loses it and he he's trying to get the kid into the car or something and he just goes, you know, I, I don't, it was something like he wanted to get it, he wanted to get in the car. He's like, get in the car for fuck's sake. Yeah. And, you know, he tried, he takes a moment and he, he sort of, he realizes he's saying this in front of Scarlett Johansson and it could come back in court, but he's walking around. He's like, I'm sorry, but for fuck's sake, get in the car. Do you know what I liked about that scene? The kid got in the car and they, they didn't blow that into the kid was traumatized. The way the kid just, the scene just went on and the kid just carried on. I thought, now that's real life. When I've watched scenes that happen in the past, the kid would be like, shell-shocked and looked, oh my God, I've been abused. And my dad's, I'm like, no, it's a 2020. Of yeah. course your parents going to lose their fucking mind and swear at you when, you know, mm-hmm. your parents can't discipline you because they're fighting for your affection because they want you, they want to gain custody of you. So the kid, this is the time where the kid can just put, pit them against each other, even if they don't have a true understanding of what's happening. And, you know, as the movie went on, <laughs> It was it was it was funny to see Adam Driver pulling out his hair, having to go the extra mile. But again, having that character growth into you know it 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 got to the point where he had to decide what's really important, you know, because they were telling him how much it's going to actually cost him to get his yeah. son or to be part of his son's life. Because he, you know, not to we're gonna get into light spoilers again. They, it gets to a point, and some people might say, yeah, no, duh, this is life. This is how it's set up. Where the judge, you know, his um, attorney was telling him that, listen, this ain't going to go your way. Mm-hmm. You need to, you, you're probably going to lose this. And if you want, this is what you're going to get. And this is what you're going to have to sacrifice to even get that. And what he has to do to get the best of his son's attention is damaging to his own career and to what he's built in the past, you know. And he has a really, he kind of has a breakdown when he realizes that you know this is his life now which again great acting i love the realization and i like i like the decision the character went because again this is this was written for the character to go this way this movie could have went in the way where you know he truly cares about his career more than his you know his perceived family or the family he's losing but you know doesn't necessarily go that way which is which made it to me more interesting this movie could have been written in the way where that wasn't the case yeah, I, I mean, and I, I do, it does drive me a little bit crazy in the movies where a couple's breaking up or something, and the guy is demonized for having a job. Yes. And they do that a little bit here, but it's not, you know, it's not overdone. Alan Alda has a great line that I've, I've thought this so many times. He says, you know, you're fighting for your child. And in doing so, you're spending all the money that you should be spending on your child. Yes. And, really you know, I, my, my ex and I were not rich at the time. 
but I can tell you that over the years, we spent enough money on lawyers and court that we could have easily paid for our daughter to go to college mm. if we had that money. And, and I think that's why, too, I, I just felt a little bit more sympathy towards Adam Driver because you get the feeling he was completely taken off guard by all of this. And he's yeah, he always was. on his heels. He was. Movie. He was. I mean, he's he, he doesn't see the divorce coming. He doesn't see the move to L.A. coming. Yeah. He doesn't see the lawyer coming. You know, Alan Alda is telling him, okay, you're going to have to have an apartment here in L.A. Yeah. And, you know, Adam Driver says, so I have to move to L.A.? No, because if you want your kid to move back to New York, you also have to have an apartment in New York. Exactly. This is what I was talking about when I was talking about the sacrifices. When he had to hear the breakdown of what he had to do just to not even get custody, but just to maintain the presence in his life. When you speak about heartbreaking, James, if you've lived this life, which you said you have to any extent, I can completely understand why you feel more slanted towards Adam Driver's character but in saying that I still think they did a good job with Scarlett Johansson's character because she didn't really know how to go on the offense and she was a novice at it and again like you said she was being led <laughs> very well by Laura Dern so it made it it made it interesting because it, they both said they had the best in retention they both said they want to be friends they both said they didn't want to get lawyers involved but how it ended was very different in how it started which again it could be education for people like me who are not married who haven't got kids who i think this movie does a really good job in educating and again even though i'm british and we have different systems here i think there's definitely some common ground in how these things can go because i've heard the horror stories again i had a sister who went through a divorce of a child i saw how that went it still it never ends they still got kids you still have mm. to go here and there you still have to meet the other person it's you're tied to them forever with the child so watching this movie to me again because i'm still living this life in a different aspect i'm not one of the you know parents but i'm just a character in this play i just think they've done a really great job actors is a phenomenal job and yeah i i although i can't I, again i don't take a side per se i felt like i liked how i really like how it was written because i think hearing what you're saying now i don't feel like i can use the word fair <laughs> mm. but i feel like it's an uh, I, I feel like i want to see something like fail even i feel like the limelight on each character is divvied up really well where if you go back and i keep going back to kramer versus kramer it's focused on dustin hoffman it's focused on yeah. him taking care of the child and it's really kind of slotted towards that it's got more of an agenda with that and i'm not saying it's a bad agenda but i'm just saying the hand is a little bit more revealed to what they're trying to portray it was still a good conversation starter at the time but i just feel like you can't make kramer versus kramer today and again dustin hoffman is you know got his own problems but yeah this this is a much more balanced story about marriage and divorce in, in my opinion and uh, you know i will like i said it, it i think depending on your perspective uh, the movie doesn't tell you who to root for, who to yes. root against, or if you should be rooting against either of them, or if you should be rooting for either of them, because at different points in the movie, both of them come off like assholes. Um, I think just my thing with her was that indecisiveness. 
that yeah. you know was uh, what's that song um from the 80s it, don't you want me baby <laughs> yeah and there's a line in it that even when i was a little kid and i heard it it always bugged me because you know the the guys the the guy singing it is he's you know I don't know if he's supposed to be a music producer or a movie producer or something, but he, he discovers. He was working that... in a hotel. Bar. I can't remember the words. <laughs> he was working in a hotel. He at work all the time. Or something. And you know, he's <laughs> he's basically he's discovered this woman. He's made her famous. He's given her her big break. Yeah. And then when her part comes into the song, she says, "Well, I would have made it either way." So, yeah. <laughs> even as a kid, I was thinking, really, probably not. So there is a little bit like her her indifference to the fact that the you know she probably would have she seemed like she was kind of growing out of these teen movies when she met him mm. and he took her and gave her a completely new career and mm. made her uh respected enough to where so, you know this uh, network would come and offer her a TV show. And there's a little bit of a, like, you know, an indifference to his role in that. Mm. At the same time, I mean, the, even the, the part where, you know, because it does, he he did cheat on her. Yeah. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> which I, that's, a, that's a, a clear, a clear part that was written for him, which I, appreciated because they didn't have to pull it in they could have made it a bit more balanced if you know no one crossed a line but because he crossed that line of infidelity it does paint him more as a you know unsympathetic character in this pairing to me, and though, I, appreciate, up, I appreciate that to be honest with you I like up that. until I think they give it some nuance when they're having the argument and she says you know you cheated on me and he says you stopped having sex with me for like a year and there's this sort of to him it, and he has it's actually great she's sort of chewing it away but again i don't think the movie is telling you which way to think where he's just yeah. saying i was in my 20s and i i i could you know he said i could have fucked anyone yeah no. i could have <laughs> fucked anyone i wanted and i didn't yeah, yeah. and i wanted to but yeah. i didn't yeah and um i'm not gonna say whether that's good or not i'm not gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> well, but to me, I mean, it's, it's, it's honest. honest. It's honest. Like, yeah, it's honest. <laughs> and, but, you know, he says, I didn't, I never cheated on you. And then you just sort of drifted away from me and I was lonely. Yeah. yeah. And so it wasn't just sort of, he's this, you know, toxic male who played yeah. on one of his yeah. people in his theater company. It was this a much more honest, like, what just happens sometimes where i really appreciate that in, in terms of writing i actually like because you would think if you look at it at face value it, it feels like an easy win for scholar johansson but as you just explained very nuanced and very it's more believable i i really like it's real i think it's a, one of the realest things in this movie thanks for breaking that down yeah and again i think that's just i really you know, when you get to that scene, and that's the scene everybody knows. It was in all the Oscar clips. It was in the trailer and everything. The two of them arguing. And how it ends 
where where he's just he's angry and he's lashing out and he's th- saying things he doesn't mean and then he just breaks yeah phenomenal yeah that's the the tragedy of this kind of a, a situation is you have this person who is the person you are closest to in your entire life the person who you think that you're going to be with forever the person who knows all of your secrets and you've trusted them with all of your secrets and then one day they they're your enemy and they turn it on you and you have to turn it on them and you're doing it because and you know this is something that is is sort of stated by Laura Dern uh, at the end of the movie in every one of these stories there is a winner and there's a loser mm. and somebody doesn't mean that like both parent like one parent is going to be ostracized completely but one parent is going to lose out on being a parent more than the other before you finish that thought let me play the the, the second to last clip because you've really teed this up perfectly for this part and then i'll let you finish that thought for a movie that is largely uh involved with their divorce it's a love story yeah very much and yeah, and you see the end, you, you see how much they're in love with each other in ways that they don't necessarily know about each other but you as the audience know you can see ways they feel about each other at times especially from the beginning of the movie without giving anything away that 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 come to fruition late in the movie and do you think that that it's only through the endings that we can understand sort of the beginnings of our relationships uh, sometimes, yeah. I mean, there's even a, the great, a great line that's in there is like, you know, he's doing all of these things now that he didn't do in, uh, in their relationship. And he has a meeting with, with this lawyer, Alan Alda, uh, plays the lawyer. And who's he's fantastic. Who's amazing in it. And he's, he says, yeah, that being a better husband in divorce. And that's kind of what it, when you're take, when everything's taken away from you, when you know someone on such a molecular level, and then that transitions into something else. It could be a very violent feeling, and you know things that you just took for granted. You have to look at a different way, and I, and uh, that that could be uh, tough for anybody. So in that sense, yeah, you know, you're you're more you're more open because you're aware now that you've lost something that you took for granted that was just always going to be there. You hit on most of those points before as well. I'm going to let Scarlett Johansson have the last clip near the end. Um, but I just wanted to interject that before I forgot because you just you were just ticking all them boxes of what he was uh, highlighting there as well. So sorry, I didn't mean to um, uh, trample on your thought right there. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll let you uh, keep going. Yeah, I mean that that sums it up really well. I mean, I always think about you know you don't you don't think about it until because when when you're and that's another everybody keeps telling both of them one day this will be over because in that moment that's your life that's your entire life that's you you know you're completely consumed by it and you hate the other person for putting you in that position and but then as time goes by like you start to realize the things that you've lost and like the the thing that i always think about is like the in jokes that you have with somebody that you're with, you know, the, the kind of secret language that the two, only the two of you have. 
Mm. And things that, you know, an incident that happened and then it's this sort of joke that you keep going back to and then you don't have that anymore. It's mm. gone. You can't, you know, it's it's like the, um, the, 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 the part, the, the movie that sums it up best is Annie Hall where he has the scene with Diane Keaton with the lobsters and then he tries to recreate it with somebody else yeah. and he can't. Mm. And it's never the, the day that I got my divorce papers, like and they were all official and signed, uh, was one of the it was like it, this weight lifted off my shoulders. I was happy. Mm. And people were sort of looking at me going, isn't this actually sad that this happened? But in the moment, you're just like you're just thinking, uh, no, it's done. I don't ever have to go through something like this again. And, you know, it, this this horrible nightmare that I've been put through is over. And that, again, is they both bring it in different ways. Adam Driver brings it in that he doesn't know what's happening. From moment to moment, you know, he gets a call from Laura Dern. You have to file this paperwork by tomorrow or else we take everything from you. And he's like, you know, well... You know, we, we didn't discuss that. and that, That's not something I'm sure she wouldn't agree with that. And Laura Dern says, I just talked to her five minutes ago. And you see that on his face where it, it's this betrayal. And then for her, she also doesn't know what's going on, even though she's the one that's initiating it. Yeah. You know, the divorce is her idea. She is sort of leading the way and being assertive for the first time in her life and she's bad at it she doesn't know what's happening Pretty and much. what i appreciated about the movie is by the end of the movie it's not this thing where they both grown and flowered and matured they're pretty much the same people yeah you know they haven't they haven't their their lives might be different but you can see she's still sort of she may be a little bit more assertive, but she's still kind of being led. He might be a little less selfish, but he's still very much uh, all about himself in a lot of ways. Well, there's two scenes at the end that really bring ties emotionally really well, which I, I'll just, I, again, we've already spoiled some of the movie, but I just want to say this. There's a scene where Adam Driver's reading a note to his yeah. child very emotional scene after the end of everything which really shows that they still care about each other and in the very 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 last scene where Adam Driver's walking away and Scarlett Hansen stops him to do something mm. and then they split off again very powerful scene showing the ties of the ties of the, this, this relationship of these people and it really does lend true to my takeaway from the movie which i want to wrap up on you watch this movie and you think what do you what do you take away from this movie again you've already been actually before i even say that i want to ask you a question because a, a lot of people might be wondering the timeline of the divorce in this movie not quite sure it seems like it was done in a year or so now i'm only again if i'm trying too much in your divorce was was yours a long-term divorce so this just take years and years for you to resolve oh yeah it like all told was probably two years 
Okay. And um, there were there were a few things about the movie that um, that I that didn't quite ring true. I mean, the, there's that scene in the courtroom where where Laura Dern is talking and she's she's saying, "Oh, well, he did this and he did this." And there's a couple of times where Ray Liotta turns to him and goes, "You shouldn't have done that." Lawyer would never do that. The lawyer has a poker face the entire time. They never act surprised, even if they are getting information that they didn't know about. Mm. Uh, they would never, ever turn to you in the middle of court and chastise you. <laughs> um, yeah. So there was, but it's also, there, you know, they, it, I think it, you could have made a much more interesting movie where they weren't rich. And this is, by the way, as vicious as this is, this is the best of all scenario kind of divorces. I would think so, you know. That's another reason why I think it's really surprising when people say this is depressing because I've heard of some crazy... Actually, speaking of Netflix, they um, have you ever heard of a series called Dirty John? No, I don't think so. So there's a series called Dirty John. It's about true crime. And season two is focused on a true story about a woman called... Is it Betty Bootcamp? It's got um, Christian Slater... And I can't remember the female actress. She's actually the main actress, but I just can't remember. But either way, it's about a horror. You want to talk about a, a custody battle or a divorce? It is in fucking insane. True story. It's crime, so it ends in a much more grim and surprising way. But I've heard of some crazy divorces ending in some crazy ways. And that series, Dirty John, season two, Highly recommended, by the way. See, it's a, it's an anthology, it's an anthology, true crime series. Season one, season two, they're not related. You guys, I will highly recommend that. But season two is about a breakup of a, a relationship as well, which is goes crazy wrong, crazy crazy wrong. Um, but yeah, watching this, yeah, in this movie, she 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 gives him a haircut at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he comes over to help her when her gate won't close. This is you know. He could have easily, when she's like, you know, oh, my gate won't close. Will you come over and help me? Fuck off. He could have just as easily said that, hung up the phone. Don't call and interrupt my time with my son. He could have just as easily been ugly about it. She could have just as easily been, you know, terrible about it. And they're, 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 they're struggling because they do still love each other. They just can't be together. And they want to be friends. They want to do the right thing by their son. It's the best case scenario because there are plenty of divorces, including mine, where after the fact, and the lawyers have made all of their money, you know, and, and discarded you into the system where it just perpetually is nasty for the rest of it. And you've got one parent talking shit about the other parent and, you know, the other parent trying to figure out how to navigate that. And, you know, the child, that's the sad part, the child caught in the middle. Let me play the last clip. Scarlett Johansson, how could I not play her talking about the movie as well? And we're going to kind of wrap up our thoughts on the movie because I do want to talk about the Woody Allen connection a bit more. Um, but yeah, I really like Scarlett Johansson's takeaway right at the end. I think she's got some really good parting words about the movie. Do you view relationships differently now that you've lived through this process and, and said those beautiful words and, and kind of acted out this 
stuff. I had heard someone once say that um, divorce is not a failure. You know, a lot of people, it feels like a failure when you're going through it. And I think a lot of people may view it that way, but actually, you know, you, you should still celebrate the time, the marriage that you had, that you spent, you know, 10 good years or whatever it is with that other person and all you accomplished in that time. You wanted something, you were you were married, you made something, you gave it a shot. And, and uh, I think that it's an idea that this film is sort of a, a valentine for, you know, the success of this, that decade of, of time with somebody. Yeah, I, I appreciate her saying that because it's a nuanced takeaway. And again, I haven't been married and I see marriage in a very cynical way. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's like the be or and end or I don't think it's the bow and tie on a relationship. I really don't believe that. I think it's been misconstrued and advertised and packaged as something that it really isn't. I think a civil partnership can be the same. I want to talk about something a bit unrelated to, to wrap that up. But James, before I hand it off to you to wrap up your thoughts, I want to thank you for sharing a bit more of your personal life about your divorce. Because again, I didn't, I didn't even know you were going to, to be honest with you. And I really appreciate you kind of sharing that with us as well to help ground your perspective on how you feel about the movie because it i think it does help us understand why you feel the way you feel about the movie and it gives us a unique perspective on how you've enjoyed the movie because i'm sure a lot of divorced people have their thoughts on the movie and not all are single people just feel oh that's just depressing oh you know because i know some people didn't like the movie i know some people just thought it was like what the hell is this this is some depressing blair movie you know whatever but i really appreciate your take on it and I like, I like the movie a lot. I don't think it's depressing. I think Scarlett Johansson had a good takeaway from it. And I don't think it's really... I don't think it's a good thing to come away from such long relationships just feeling that they were failed or failures. I'm sure some are horrible, abusive. Some are just completely negative and you'll be better off just moving on. But I think some you can take something from and appreciate the person from. And, you know, if they're going to be in your life because you've got children and stuff like that, it does bear fruit to kind of maintain a healthy you know a civil relationship at best but what do you think what's your final thoughts no there's there was no way i was going to be able to talk about this movie without talking about my own experience um yeah what you what you said about uh like any any friend of mine now who would say i'm thinking about popping the question i would probably say eh, think about it a while longer it's you don't i don't you know it's i've i've been not married for 18 years now and i've i've thought about it in relationships you know since then but uh like the my girlfriend right now and i it's yeah we don't need to get married we don't need the piece of paper mm-hmm. um because you know like you said there's there's just living with the person that you love and then when you break up the worst thing that happens is you got to figure out you know uh whose whose dvd was this was this yours or was was this mine whereas if you're married you got to go through the court system and if there's one thing that this movie got right it is the the nightmare i that that scene where adam driver walks into the the courthouse with ray liotta and Scarlett Johansson is sitting there with Laura Dern. I'm pretty sure I've been in that courthouse. 
I, I could have been sitting on that very bench where, you know, they, that person walks into the room and they're with their lawyer and they don't talk to you. They don't come up to you. They don't say anything to you. And it's just awkward. Yeah. And that's the part, you know, the, if the movie is a celebration of these two people's love and relationship that they had, I think it is also a, a condemnation of the system that they get thrust into of mm -hmm. these people who only have a motivation to make money. They don't care about them as much as Laura Dern, like you said, wanted to be a soul sister. All she saw was a dollar sign on Scarlett Johansson. And I think, at least in my perspective, the movie captured that well. Another person might say, no, Laura Dern was a, a wonderful feminist character and, you know, uh, was very warm-hearted and we, she really cared. At least the way that I viewed the movie, they did a good job of making her out to be, both her and Ray Liotta, out to be villains. True. Can I ask you a question? You just reminded me of something that is a, this tips a little bit more into real life. Once one of my brothers got divorced and he had his uh, child, he told me that the lawyer told him that if he hadn't got married, the law would have given her more rights than him by default. Because the law is actually, if you're not in a marriage with your prospective partner, the mother of your child, and you're fighting for custody, the woman has more rights than the man inherently. And this is something that is a little bit askew in the legal system, in the Western legal system, which I found mm. very interesting. But do you? is this true in your opinion? I, I can sum that up with one short story. Okay, go which ahead. Which is, my my ex and I were broken up, but not divorced yet. We were living separately. And one day, my account is way overdrawn. And I don't know why. And I get, like, uh, copies of, of checks that had been written. And one of them was a check with my name on it that I had not signed. It was not my signature. And so I called the cops and I said, you know, my, my ex forged my name on this check. She took this money from me, you know, and the cops said, well, you're not divorced. And so technically communal property, it's still kind of her money too. And I asked the, I asked the cop, I said, if the situation was reversed, and he said, oh, I'd have you in handcuffs right now. Wow. So that that's the kind of thing where, like, for, for any guy who would say to me, I want to marry this woman, I want to have a child with her, I would say, you better make damn sure because you get into that courtroom. And I, I know that it has gotten better in the last 20 years because even just just 20 years ago it was thought oh well you got to give the, the kid to the mother even if the mother is sort of screwed up or uh you know uh has a lot of personal or mental health issues or you just give the kid to the mother that's just what happens there's no consideration for giving the kid to the father and i know that it has gotten better since then um, but it took a lot because I, I did end up the winner 
I was the one who raised my daughter. I was the one who did it really without any help from her. And that took a lot to get to that point. Mm. So yeah, I would I would say that that it at least in my experience from back then it definitely is more in favor of the woman. Uh that's the part where Laura Dern's whole speech about God and Mary and everything rang false because mm. the the idea, at least what I saw, was, well, the mother is the life giver. The mm. mother is the, she actually carried the child inside of her. And therefore, there's this bond that the man could never understand. So that was my side of it. Laura Dern talking about God being an absentee father, just, again, it, it just, I kept thinking in my head, I bet the writer was drunk one day and thought he said something really profound. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and mm. now I, you, you, you've definitely made that clear why you Kate, why you said that in the beginning now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, man, you got so much personal ties to this movie. It's crazy. Uh, I've, I'm going to just, I know we've been talking for a while. Thank you, James, for, for this conversation. It's been more, your life is just has been just as enlightening as, as this movie, and I'm not saying that in any jest or sarcastic way. Mm. I honestly mean that. I mean your story, damn, is a story in itself. <laughs> mm. No joke, man. That's that's crazy, man. So yeah, um, I'm watching. I know I hate reality television with a passion. I hate it. My sister is forcing me. There's this new reality. Sh- it's not new. Scratch that. I'm gonna get cursed for saying this. There's a reality show. That is gaining steam, a lot of steam. There's always one that bubbles to the surface. I know, James, you might not watch it, and the audience might not know. If you, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, listener, whoever you are, I am watching a reality show called Married at First Sight, Australia. Have you ever heard of this? It, it, I, I haven't heard of that, but it sounds like shows we have here that yeah, I don't watch. Of course. You believe me, I've said it. You already know what it is. You already know what it's about. Married at First Sight, the Australian edition. There's an American one, which is just Married at First Sight. There's a UK one. The Australian one is its own beast. To cut it short, and the reason why I'll explain why I'm bringing this up you meet at the altar and you marry this person and you have to make it work. And you it's helmed by these four therapists, slash scientists, slash researchers. You know, it's so funny. We spoke on Enthropy big part of the end of the movie is that he says to his partner let's get married let's do this backwards instead of having a relationship and then giving up to marriage why don't we do it backwards let's get married and work our way you know from that and that's what this reality show is all about the irony is crazy so when you watch the show these people don't know each other they just go off looks they build a relationship some of them see each other don't like each other but it's taken away this whole in a way, I think it's kind of doing a disservice to a marriage because marriage is the gimmick. Let's just get that out of the way. Now, you cannot leave each other. You have to be committed. You have to stay with this person for the next six weeks. And it is it is the most crazy shit ever seen. I didn't believe in marriage before. This doesn't help it anymore. But I think this reality, sh- this reality show is a fantastic experiment because it forces people to be together throws the marriage thing throws the marriage thing out the window and it's all about the commitment and the relationship and building that it's a reverse dating show about getting married you're all this person's your wife at the altar you say yes 
without knowing a fucking thing about them. And I think it's probably one of the most entertaining, interesting, and actually honest, honest depictions of relationships I've ever seen. And I am engrossed because unlike all these other shows like The Fucking Bachelor, which I have watched as well, which is fucking trash. Love, that's just a love competition. This isn't about love. These people do not love each other. Just, they get married and they don't fucking know each other and they have to grow from there. It is one of the most interesting romantic romantic experiments I've ever seen. And I hate reality shows. I'm engrossed by it. But it makes, it is, if, if my perception of marriage was skewed before, this show, the Australian version, just takes it to a whole nother level. I'm not going to tell anyone they should watch it. I'm watching it on my own. I can understand why people have been forcing me to watch the show. It's probably one of the most realist explorations of relationships I've ever seen. And again, arranged marriage is not new. It's been there since the dawn of time in every culture. Black, white, American, English. Every culture's on arranged marriage without knowing anyone. This isn't new. But putting the cameras in front of people, and it's very interesting. Watching this movie while watching this series... Again, I don't marriage. Honestly, I just I see it as someone said in the movie. I'm not going to name. Marriage is when you bring the government into your relationship, and you reap the benefits. Is it really needed? Is something that we all need to think about. And this movie did that as well. Sorry to go on that spiel, uh, James, but if anyone's watching this series, Married at First Sight Australian Edition, they probably know why I just went on that little spiel. <laughs> Uh, you're probably thinking, what the fuck's he talking about? <laughs> no, it's, I, I've never, ever, ever, like my my daughter's, uh, she actually just broke up with the guy, but was living with, with a guy. And um, I never once said to her, so when are the two of you getting married? I was just thinking, don't, don't do it. <laughs> just, just it, it, it's, it is a, it's a, it's an antiquated, I don't, I, there's a lot of like, uh, I've heard a lot of like different feminist things that I don't necessarily agree with. One thing that I do agree with is really what marriage is and always has been is making a woman your property. That's what it was. It was, it's only been about romance for like the last 70 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, you put, you put a ring on somebody and you, you then basically own them. And, uh, it, it you don't need it disclaimer me and james are very cynical <laughs> before anyone's here that what the fuck's wrong with these guys i will freely admit i said this my ex i'm a very cynical person and all the reality shows all the stupidness they push about and romance it is it has made me hasn't made me any less cynical and if anything i probably take in saying all that i would probably take marriage a hundred times more seriously than than most people but mm-hmm. when you watch movies like this, you can see what it can do. And it, it, it's it's just something you really shouldn't take lightly, in my personal opinion. But I know a lot of people dream about it and think it's, you know, whether it's religious reasons or it's been your dream as a woman or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I I I I don't know. It's just a it's a big deal. It's a massive deal. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Again, I don't think it's cynical. I think it's when you've got an institution that's supposed to be sacred and then you make a reality show about it, it just shows that there's nothing sacred about it. Anybody can get married. 
And just also too, I mean, anybody can have a child. It doesn't make you parent. It means that you had sex with somebody. You got to earn being a parent. And uh, you could just you could be just as devoted and loving to somebody without a piece of paper. Yeah. Speaking of which, I bet Woody Allen's glad he didn't marry Mia Farrow. <laughs> yeah. To change the subject, look, I just want to say this. If let's play that little game we always play. If Woody Allen had his hand on Marriage Story, I really don't think he would change much. I think he would be proud of Scarlett Johansson for continuing doing great acting. I think this is right as a writer. I think this is right up Woody Allen's street. I just think again, it would have been more cosmetic. It would have been more jazz, more cinematography. Um, I kind of miss him doing these deep dramas. To be honest with you, Woody Allen seems to have. He hasn't sold out by any means. I just think no. he's kind of stayed away from these. Even though he doesn't make crowd-pleasing movies, he doesn't care about that anymore. He's made it very clear. He just makes what he wants to make. I really miss the movies that September. My favorite movie, Another Woman, Husbands and Wives. I love those intense, even Crimes and Misdemeanors. I love those intense dramas he used to make. Now he kind of strayed away from them. Um, the one he made of Kate, Kate Winslet, who's shitting on him right now. Yeah. Uh, I forgot the name of the movie. Cap, uh, what was it called again? The one that Wait, was Wonder, on Wonder Wheel. Wonder yeah. Wheel. I love that movie. Again, more of an intense drama. I wish he did more of that. But again, those don't make him as much money or give him as much accolades. Even though Kate Winslet got an Oscar for that movie. <laughs> well, I, I will. I will say too. Yeah. This is what happens when you're in a happy relationship. Yeah. Because crimes and misdemeanors, husbands and wives, September. He was with Mia. When he made those movies, and another Since woman, he's been with another Sun woman. Yi, <laughs> yeah. Since he's been with Sun Yi, he hasn't been as miserable. True. So, <laughs> oh my god, wow. Where's that? You know, I don't have a button that says shade, so I'm just gonna give you the bomb. <laughs> that was that's a fucking amazing observation, James. That is true, but I love those movies, though. So, what does that mean? <laughs> and apparently, he made some of his great, even um. The movie about Mia Farrow being in love with the cinema. What? Well, I can't remember any. Oh, uh, Purple Rose. Yeah, even that is a quite, you know, has a quite, a, you could argue, grim ending. Um, mm-hmm. But and he was with Mia then as well. So, but you know, some people say those were his greats. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know, but that was a great. Observ- I don't disagree with that observation at all. What do you think? If Woody had his hands on Mary's story, how do you think he would have done it? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what the, the the biggest tragedy that I realized when I was watching Marriage Story is mm-hmm. there's no way that Woody Allen will ever direct Adam Driver. You know what? Let's talk about that. Why not? He, Adam Driver would never... I mean, at this point, after the... <laughs> I think we'll get into this at some point. Yeah. This, the HBO documentary. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. now Kate Winslet buckling. I don't think we're getting Rifkin's Festival... Uh, released in the United States the way that we eventually got Rainy Day in New York. I think that if if Woody wasn't done before, I think this could be the thing that does him in. And there is no actor in his right mind who would work with Woody Allen right now for for forget about integrity or you know artistic uh, uh, the artistic merit of work, working with Woody. Just career-wise, it'd be suicide, and it's a it's a goddamn shame because Adam Driver would be incredible, directed by Woody Allen. 
he would fit right in yeah. to a Woody Allen movie. He and uh, yeah. I, I think if Woody had made this movie, I don't think he would have replaced anybody cast-wise. I, you know, if, if somebody just said to him, you know, here's your cast, I don't think he would gripe. I think he would go, oh yeah, that's perfect. You're right. There, there'd be maybe a, like a, some jazz, maybe a little bit. Adam Driver might be doing a little bit of a Woody Allen impression. He might be doing the neurotic yeah. character, but. Um, more or less, I think that it would have been the same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, look, guys, if you're wondering, I've, I've been getting, every time Woody's name comes up with a, a new headline of hate and he's being slaughtered again and now this HBO documentary, look, I I said to James offline, I was thinking about what, watching this documentary, so, but honestly, the clips I've already seen and all the headlines, I'm already fucking exhausted. I had I had hope that there might, this might be a some sort of objective look at both sides. Completely wrong. Everything I've what <laughs> Woody Allen and Sun Ying's reply to this has been hatchet job. Has been, you know, Robert Wiley's come out and slammed it and has pointed out inconsistencies already. But every time this happens to Woody, everyone's got to play defensive. Everyone that supports Woody Allen in the past gets dragged through the mud. Every actor, every film and actress is not a not an ally anymore. You know, I start to get a lot of emails saying that I'm disgusting for having a Woody Allen podcast. It all starts again. And I understand why you, you, you say, you know, I completely agree that Adam Driver, Woody Allen is toxic for uh, Adam Driver right now. And so that's not going to happen, which is a shame. But I again, the European market is not going to stop Woody. They'll still support him. But right now, yeah, he, again, his American base is now being shunned from him again. Even his supporters just now they're going to cow away and not help him anymore. So you know, I'm glad he's getting his he's producing his 50th movie. But you know, it's it's ridiculous. I'm 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 upset. I thought people would have watched that documentary released by. Um, you know what? I need to actually ask if we can, if I, if I'm allowed to use that. Um, by the way, Woody Allen's innocent movie um, by Rick Wally. Mm-hmm. Rick Wally. I need to actually ask him if we can just insert that in the podcast feed so people can hear it, because I would have thought that most people would see that and just see the the truth what it is. But I don't want to go on and on and on. I might we might have a discussion about the, the documentary, the news, the backlash, all that shit, because people want to hear my my extended thoughts on it. But here's a short version. Dylan Farrell still kind of brainwashed me. A Farrell, I don't understand how these directors can just be so one-sided, especially considering what they've done in the past, the other documentaries they've done. I can't believe how biased they sound, and it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. So I'm just well, and you know, I'm not gonna watch it. Uh, I already, I already said it. It'd probably be a great discussion if I did watch it. But I've actually been trying in the last like month to phase out any kind of news, whether it's political or entertainment. So like, yeah, I'm I'm a, I, every now and then I'll catch a headline or something. You know, you know, Kate Winslet turns on Woody Allen. I saw that. I didn't read the article, but I saw the headline. And life's too short to watch something like that and yeah. and just be angry and. It's four hours. It's four fucking hours. <laughs> to, to say what? To Why is it four hours? 
And, and here's the thing, too. HBO Max, which I am subscribed to, uh, is pushing this documentary. They've got it, the first episode. That's their thing they're pushing. HBO Max has Woody Allen movies on it. You can watch September, Shadows and Fog. There's like four or five different Woody Allen movies that they're making money off of. That's called talking out of two sides of your mouth. And, you know, I watched this, you know, uh, the, the Michael Jackson documentary from a couple years ago. What, Finding uh, Nef- that Neverland finding one? Finding Neverland, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I'm watching it. I didn't, you know, I knew some, you pick up stuff, yeah. uh, news, but, you know, you you watch this documentary and you're like, oh my God, Michael Jackson was a monster. And, you know, look at what he did to these guys. And then I saw a reaction from somebody in his family. And that person in his family said, they never even asked to talk to us. They were going to present this version of reality. And they weren't interested in whatever the truth might be. If it contradicted what their intention was, they weren't going to include it. And... You know, whether you think Michael Jackson did it or didn't do it, whether you think Woody Allen did it or didn't do it, if you're going to make a documentary, why don't you talk to everybody? Why don't you interview everybody and get every perspective and every point of view? Why would you just make a hit piece? Before anyone anyone says they did ask him like two days before, which he Mm -hmm. declined, which I don't blame. But uh, on top of that, they did apparently in the documentary, the HBO one that we're probably not going to watch, but I don't know. I'm, I'm if you're about it. They took snippets of his audiobook, his memoir, without even asking him. So he's considering apparently he might be suing him for that as well. I so. was hoping that I was hoping to hear that because th- this is slander at this point. I don't know why he hasn't sued. Probably because he's the energy in it and, and he just constantly defending himself for what? How many decades? <laughs> so it's been it's been yeah what 25 30 years it's it's you know for for what amounts to he said she said that's all it is nobody will ever definitively know a hundred percent what happened and you know they'll bring up the the whole they'll bring up their skewed like well Woody had an unhealthy obsession with Dylan. But there were two different investigative uh, bodies that went in and looked into that and said, no, there's nothing There's nothing wrong here. She wasn't molested. Uh, and I think fun. Mia Farrow had unhealthy obsession with some of her kids as well, which Woody mm-hmm. Allen talks about in the book. But I, I hope that he, I hope he sues him and I hope he wins. Yeah, let's let's leave it at that. We'll, we'll, to be continued, I'm debating. Yeah. I'm probably going to wait for the dust to settle on this a bit more because it's four fucking hours. If it wasn't four yeah. hours, I would definitely watch it. But it's four hours of apparently recycling stuff that's already been debunked, which just seems yeah. pointless. And I just don't understand. They're just framing Woody Allen again as the one who got away, the Me Too guy who got away, which is absolutely preposterous. But... And they're doing it because he's got a new movie coming out every time he has a new movie coming out this shit happens yeah well well i don't even think it's about the movie i just think they actually just put him up as the one who got away that's his thing now he's the one that the only one that hasn't been completely disgraced but you know um guys follow if you're interested to have following that discussion if you go to the woody allen subreddit 
there's so much things they're already taking the documentaries apart piece by piece i need to honestly get the rick rick rawley on i don't know maybe a special episode or something just to i don't know if he can even look i don't know i'm just tired every time i read it it's just it's very tiring but let's just leave it at that some of you asked and that's my thoughts on it we will see but james uh we've been speaking for quite a while i should let you leave but before you do you know how we do before we wrap up the episode we let the people know what's coming on the next recording so if they want to watch and get ahead of us so we can all talk about it and enjoy it together it's your pick it's your turn james what did you decide we're going to be talking about on the next recording well, I am lightening the mood, <laughs> uh, and I'm going back to what what if if Woody had made it, they would have called it one of his early funny ones. Okay, um, it's a movie called They Came Together, starring Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler. Ah, this is one that I it was in my watch list and it just kind of disappeared. I like Paul Rudd. I said this multiple times. There's another Paul Rudd movie we might be talking about as part of this project as well and much older film than that one but i'm looking forward to it so yeah I'm, I, I appreciate you bringing us something to lighten the mood and um i really just let's wrap it up let me say thank you james for sharing your thoughts your unique perspective and experience on the subject at hand and for checking out the movie man i really appreciate you and your perspective where can the people find you and how can they reach you if they want to? Uh, they can always find me on manic-expression.com and they can find my books available to buy on Amazon. As always, the links to the books will be in the description of this podcast. We're also on YouTube. I'm going to ask again one more time, guys. If you want to help the podcast, give us a review on iTunes. We've had some plus and minus reviews but i want some more positivity if you guys enjoy the conversations you want to support us do us a favor go to itunes find the podcast link log into your itunes leave a review or leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening leave us a comment on youtube and let your friends know if they're interested if they're not woody allen fan haters or even fans haters or whatever we do but guys i appreciate the support thank you for listening thank you for subscribing We'll see you next month. And uh, thank you, James. Listeners, take care. Peace. <laughs>